Welcome to another episode of I'm Not Gonna Be Quiet. My name's Danika and I'm your host. I'm excited that you decided to join us for another episode where this is a space where folks step into the circle of community to share the path that they have traveled, to find liberation after periods of staying silent about their pain and experienced harm. In each interview, we get a chance to hear and learn from our guests what they refuse to be quiet about, what their silence costs them, and the price they have paid for their freedom. So you're here. We may as well get comfortable and let's get free together. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine. I'm really excited that she decided to be my first guest. Um, Her name is Dr. Ty Adams. And, you know, Moving through the pandemic, we've all experienced just tremendous loss. However, one of the things that have come from this collective trauma is friendship. Having to create pods and social distance allowed me to get to know other families that I, in any other situation, might not have discovered. And Ty is one of those friends that um, we found each other during COVID. Our families clicked. We spent plenty of time at the playground through winter, summer, spring, and fall. And we've continued our friendship. And this is a lifer for me. I'm proud to introduce Dr. Ty Adams. She's a board certified psychiatrist. She identifies as black and queer. Her pronouns are she, her, and hers. And the center of who she is, is a mom. So welcome, Ty. Thank you, Danica. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm so excited to be your first guest. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure and I am grateful. So thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to jump right into it. All right. Right. It kind of just makes sense to, you know, you know, the name of the podcast. And so my first question is, what have you been asked to be quiet about? It's such a deep question. Um, and I've given it some thought. Um, I want to say, you know, the biggest thing that I've been asked to be quiet about is um, the reality that uh, working moms um, can't have it all because 
working moms can't do it all. Um, it's it's impossible. It's impossible to be the best in my case physician, psychiatrist, professional, providing all of the expertise uh, and then having enough to be the best mom making it to all of the rehearsals, all of the recitals, all of the games, and cooking the meals, and making the beds, and tending the boo-boos. You can't have or do it all as a working mom, and um, I've been forced to be quiet about that. You know, I'm not going to say that I disagree. I think you know me well enough to know that, you know, also for me, the center of my identity is being a mom. Not that there aren't other parts, but one of the most valuable uh, parts of my identity is motherhood. And so I'm curious for you, where do you think the ask to be quiet about, you know, not being able to have it all came from? You know, I think the the initial for me, you know, individually, I don't, uh, you know, speaking from my own experience, the initial ask I think came from the example that was set for me um, by my own mother, who, in my opinion, um, certainly did her very best to at doing it all and having it all, um, or at least. I thought she was doing it all uh, until I became a mother myself and realized what was sacrificed. But um, society asks us to do that too. Like it asks us to rise uh, to the top of these, you know, business ladders um, to, you know, be bosses, um, but still expects us to be great moms. And that doesn't even include all the other great things we have to do. We have to be great lovers and great partners and great friends. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of both worlds. It's what was what I saw and experienced growing up, and also just what society has put out there as you know the gold star achievement. That's a lot. It's a lot to to recognize that this might not be working for you and to give yourself grace. And I'm curious, how, how did you come to that awareness, particularly in your field? Th- your field is um, pretty competitive, um, just doing really surface research. You're a psychiatrist and I learned just a couple of days ago that there are only about 41, 42,000 psychiatrists in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And 2% of them are black. Ugh, 2%? Two. Uh, yeah, that's, that's worse than I thought. So I imagine that probably, you know, put a lot of pressure on you. Um, you know, I'm obviously black. And so like, I know what that's like to exist in these um, corporate spaces 
um, these spaces that are, you know, based off of capitalist models where, you know, you're expected to produce and overproduce beyond your 40 hours um, salaried working week. So how how is that for you? Like, how did you have this kind of like, for lack of a better expression, come to Jesus moment when you're working in such a competitive industry and also trying to balance being a great mom? Yeah, so I think it was it was always there, kind of, um, you know, guiding me um, in subtle ways. You know, I in the medical field, um, there's a term that we use. Um, well, I don't even know if it's a medical field thing, but in medical school, there was a term that we used for folks who just were first to show up, were first to answer questions, were first to complete assignments just like chipper and competitive we called them gunners right gunners people who are gunning for that top slot um and you know when I'm going through my medical education I would see folks who had that calling I guess on their life and on their spirit and there was always this nudging voice inside of me that was like yeah no I want to enjoy life right but I knew I had to like compete I had to get into residency which is you know an application process an interview process you have to be selected Um, I had to get into fellowship same thing and every time that you take a step further in training there's a certain degree of going for it being a gunner that you have to do um, to make it Um, I think that that voice never went away. Like that voice that said, like, that doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit my personality. It doesn't fit my style. There's got to be more to success than just the success that you find professionally. And so wanting to be a mom from the very earliest age I can remember wrapping my baby dolls in uh, actual baby blankets that I actually learned how to swaddle correctly um, probably in like first grade um, I took it very seriously the calling on my life to be a mom and that was like one of my early callings Um, when it became um, this career in mental health as a second calling, I had to figure out a way to merge both of those. And I think the mom stuff I anticipated coming, you know, with marriage and all of that, I figured that I had to really dive into the medical stuff first, right? Get all of that done, give all of those hours um that strenuous kind of labor being on call 24 hours um several times a week um starting your days super early ending them late um you get into that groove dedicating your energy to that because you know where it's going to get you um and you get there and then it's like oh yeah but i want to be also um i want to have my own family i want to be a mom 
so then here comes motherhood and the up at night feedings and I mean just from the very beginnings even before um, your child is born as you're carrying I was carrying my children with me through residency because I gave birth to my oldest daughter in residency and my youngest daughter in fellowship which came after that and yeah right like (laughs) it was hard um to have like preterm contractions while on call um it was hard to fight the fatigue that comes with pregnancy um and be alert to answering questions on rounds and meeting patients needs and supervisors demands um and I got into the mode of like you gotta hide the mom stuff so that you can do the professional stuff Mm. and that's kind of what I saw in my own mother too um I saw the mom stuff because I lived with her and she raised me with my father my siblings but um when we were out and about you know she was addressed and known as the attorney um and so I I guess I just kind of from that point on felt like I had to do the mom stuff in the background and do all the professional stuff in the foreground um but I didn't want to slack on the mom stuff I I wanted to nurse I wanted to bond Um, those first four years of your children's lives are the most precious years. You never get that back. Um, And I think I realized slowly, like, I'm not, this is impossible to balance. There has to be something better. That gunner, that fierce competitor, that successful woman, doctor, physician, black psychiatrist that I can be it can't be everything for me to Mm. have a degree of success, feeling successful for my life, it can't be the only thing so I'm so curious because I hear you talk about you know, you kind of had this image of you know, being that successful corporate working mom from what your own mom modeled for you but mm-hmm. you straight you started you started on that path and then it sounds like you started to deviate from it what what was like what was the catalyst like what was the moment that made you kind of reimagine what that looked like particularly what it looked like contrary to what you had seen and lived through with your own mom. Yeah. That's kind of a long story and I don't want to make it a long story um, because I think it's probably a common story so I feel like folks can relate. Um, The home life suffered as a result of I think where I put most of my energies into work. Um When I finished my fellowship, I took a job, a nine to five outpatient psychiatrist job, uh, evaluating children for autism. 
and it was a sweet job. Um, it was regular hours. I think it was more like nine to three, really. Um, and the work was enjoyable. I basically played with children and then wrote up evaluations. Um, and um, I was I was happy with that, but that um, desire to make more money, because money, of course, is a good a good sign of success um, made me pick up some side work in um, crisis situations like being the psychiatrist who evaluates folks in behavioral health crises and um, I worked and I, I made more and I worked more and made more and that was great and my home life suffered. I wasn't a bad mom. I was a great mom, I think, but I certainly had issues in my relationships. Um, I ended up getting divorced. Um, I ended up getting into work as a way of like coping with feelings of personal failure. Um, I got into unhealthy relationships, one in particular, that was so unhealthy that um, I really dove headstrong into work. Um, I ended up leaving that job, that sweet gig, and picking up crisis work full time, and then adding to that additional hours back in outpatient this time with mainly um, sort of general population adults and children seeking um, you know behavioral health medication Um, and before I knew it I had this whirlwind of 60 hour work weeks um, two children in elementary school who need mommy because you know their dad was not the primary parent I was um, and then partnership with an unhealthy partner um, and when I all of that piled in together I ended up in a place where I was working and overworking myself and um, running from the fact that I wasn't giving enough at home to my kids um, and had also created unhealthy dynamics at home in an unhealthy relationship. And that resulted in trauma. Um, trauma, you know, from, I think that resulted from neglect in some ways. Um, and that trauma that my family experienced brought everything to a screeching halt for me. And it made me reorganize my priorities entirely, um, I always knew that my children were the most important thing to me from the very beginning. Um, I thought that working and working and working and 
you know, getting uh, the money that they would need to go to college and all of that um, was good mothering. Um, But what they needed was my presence. And once the trauma happened, um, you know, it became a requirement that my presence be um, be constant and be that I be available and I dropped everything I mean I didn't drop everything everything because then like we couldn't pay the rent or the mortgage but um, I dropped the full time psychiatry life and the 60 hour work weeks and I became a full time mom and a part time psychiatrist um, to to sort of find balance so that was my come to Jesus moment it was unfortunately it was trauma but out of that um, there has been such growth and healing um, for me as a person as a mom as a doctor and for my family thank you for sharing all of this because and I think you're right Ty I think your experience your story is something that most moms can identify with because you know I see you know the patterns right this is kind of like what patriarchy looks like right women are expected to work outside of the home and also be the primary caregiver within the home and so you know, from what you're sharing, I see like this is kind of the lifestyle that you had as a child. This is what you saw as a child with your own mom. And then when you started undergrad and uh, pre-med and, and med school and fellowship and et cetera, like you have to submit pretty much all of your waking hours to that program in order to, you know, become a doctor. And then from there, it seems like it just continued, right? Your work, your work week started at 40 hours and then, and then it became 60 hours Mm -hmm. and then, and then trauma happened. And so it sounds like kind of living out that whole women can have it all and do it all. it, It seems like it cost you quite a bit. It did. It did. Um, Yeah. Medical training or training to become an MD teaches the trainee to sacrifice themselves. Um, It becomes ritualistic uh, everyday sacrifice, really. I mean... So there's there's a personal toll, right? Because when you're in a grueling kind of um, work schedule, your physical body takes damage. Actually developed um, and was diagnosed with an autoimmune illness um, as a result of really from my rheumatologist perspective, um, sleep deprivation. I mean, that's what when I was diagnosed, um, that's what I was told could have certainly 
brought out um, this illness. Um, you know, the personal toll, though, means nothing when you think about trauma affecting your children. Right? Like, I would gladly cut off my limbs if it meant that my children would be guaranteed to be safe. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it, <clears throat> it set me up, that training, it set me up for a life of, of sacrifice, but I didn't think that that would come to my baby's doorstep. Right. And when it did, it was like, nah. We can't, no, this is not living and this is not healthy for us. So in the process of providing that um, safety, because when your children are harmed, they, they need their mom, they need consistency, they need schedules that look the same. They need waking up in the same bed every morning and going to bed the same way every night. They need to know that you're there you have to reestablish a normal rhythm and and then also process all of the the hurt and the emotion in in them right helping them to process that which meant like therapy and things like that but also myself therapy for me so so I can process my stuff um and when that when that became the priority and I cut my hours like that um I started living and feeling better and more successful than I had felt when I was making twice as much and working twice as long three times as long oh I think that's so interesting and that's such a that's such a um key offering to our audience it's Mm -hmm. it sounds like you know you were living and living and avoiding and avoiding and then trauma kind of fell at your doorstep and it had you rethink and reimagine um what your role was in this world and specific to um your role with your children and then it sounds like you just flipped how you define success it was no longer defined by how much money you made which gave you opportunity to you know provide some comfort um and different resources for your children but now it sounds like your success is defined by how happy your children are mm-hmm. and how you get to mother them yeah. was it easy to to have that kind of revelation? Did it take you some time? Was there some resistance? Was there any like shame? Oh yeah, it wasn't easy. No, I spent time in therapy um, talking about how I would do it. Um, First of all, there was financial insecurity. Um, Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't throw money away, uh, but I'm not the best saver, or at least I wasn't. Um, And so I was worried that by cutting my hours that I would put my family in some sort of a financial bind. So just working through the anxiety related to that, um, which, you know, that started before I ever stopped working um, those long hours. 
working that anxiety was was tough I had to do that in therapy I had to do that by um meeting with a financial planner and um thankfully I was connected with someone who um took special interest in helping black professionals um develop an understanding of how they can make their money work for them um and yeah it took I had to lean into the community to educate me on what that transition would mean well before that transition happened and then when the transition happened um fear you know still echoes like I had about six months of mortgage bills tuition saved in order to make that transition um everybody is not going to be able to do that but I did that because um I I was scared of what might happen if I didn't develop these kind of plans um and you plan for something you execute it and then you get there right Mm -hmm. so like it worked um it worked because I wanted it and I I leaned into the resources around me to help me figure out how to do it but I was scared the whole way I was scared before during and after sometimes I still get scared um I make a fraction of what I used to make but um I live simply and um my kids are are happy and healthy and they love their school and I can pay that tuition they love their home and I can pay that mortgage and um you know we don't need a whole lot of other stuff that I thought was maybe a marker for success there are toys that went to donation clothes that went to donation trips that you know we got some great pictures of to remember um but we still have we have more actually more love and more memories and more everyday kind of um moments of joy that we share together now than we did when we were as a family able to do all of that spending um but fear still creeps in every now and again um but i i i pray i i still talk to my therapist um i i sometimes have to move my body to get through that anxiety sometimes i have to take longer showers than usual to get through that um and and life has been good i love hearing that because i feel like globally but also just nationally we're at a tipping point where there's an opportunity for us to experience this major paradigm shift um where we just kind of rethink what it takes to have a healthy and balanced quality of life specific to work 
and family and friendships and you know spirituality and etc and so i have seen along with everyone else this great resignation mm-hmm. right i've seen the the soft quitting and so i feel like those are those are signs that something's changing and and i think you are you know right in that group of folks who who are saying that what historically what we've done is not working any longer and you are making the choice to do something different and individualize to create your own definition of success and joy and so i want to commend you that's not easy always um and there certainly can be a price that you pay for stepping away from such huge uh systems um but it sounds like you and your family are better for it mhm well thank you girl for commending me mm-hmm. um yeah so covid that's the other thing like covid changed a lot of stuff um i was working in the emergency crisis realm when covid hit um I think it's possible that we all in my uh, work area had COVID before we knew what COVID was. Mm. It was like a crazy flu went through everybody. And then like a couple months later, we started hearing about COVID. And then by the time it hit um, and it was, you know, wearing PPE, protective equipment every day, um, all of us had already had something that we didn't even know what it was. Um, And so, but COVID, you know, it it made us um, pare down. A lot of people started, um, you know, lost their jobs, unfortunately. But then in the loss, gained a new perspective. Um, A lot of people started working from home and gained a different perspective. Like, hey, the office it's not a requirement. Like I can do this from home. Um, Working from home has given me the ability to be the full-time mom that I am. Um, I'm so glad. You know, I feel such um, sympathy towards those who lost loved ones with COVID. And it was, it was and continues to be a horrible illness. Um, but the transformation that happened that allowed me to be a psychiatrist, help my patients, and be a full-time mom by working at home, that that has added invaluable amount of just security to my life. Um, so yeah, everybody's everybody's shifting. Um, workers are saying like nah you're going to pay us if you want us to be in this place and I feel all of that and I respect all of those demands because you know it's real going through a crisis I went through a personal trauma and realized a lot of stuff right we went through a collective trauma with COVID and like realized a lot of stuff the most important 
thing to preserve is life and health. And you can't preserve life and health putting yourself at risk every day for a paycheck, putting your emotional health at risk every day. Nah, it's there has to be a better a better balance to that. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of a rant, but I know you feel me. Yes, no, it wasn't a rant. It was everything that people are experiencing and people want to hear. And so it's clear that you feel free, but you know, I want you to use your own words. Like, do you feel liberated? Do you feel free? Do you feel detached from, you know, the old ways of of living where you kind of sacrifice the majority of your time and a space away from your family? Do you feel free from that? Yes. Resoundingly, yes, I feel free. Um, I feel free because I freed myself. Um, I feel, I feel satisfied um, at the end of every day with what I was able to accomplish. Um, even when I have to accomplish it another day because Mm -hmm. I give myself permission to not meet every goal. Um, I give myself permission to take breaks and rest. Um, My body thanks me for it. And so when my body shows me that that rest was needed by feeling better after I've rested, then I feel satisfied. When my kids like just randomly say like, I love my life, right? After a trauma, that trauma is so distant. Um, When they randomly hug me and say, you're a good mom. um, I have such satisfaction. So that's what gives me the freedom. Um, Like, I don't know all of what freedom is, but I know for me, a big part of it is not being bound to the things that you don't want to be attached to. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be attached to long work hours anyway. Yeah, I had gotten trained that way, but... I didn't want that deep down. That voice was always there. Um, I didn't want to be attached to um, monetary, you know, accumulation of mountains of coins um, as the defining, you know, feature of success. That wasn't in my personality. I don't even wear brand stuff. Like I've been buying clothes at Costco. I'm that mom. Um, I, you know, I just like, I want to, um, I want to be comfortable. So part of freedom for me is like being comfortable in my life, in my skin, seeing that my family is comfortable. We don't have too much. We don't have too little. And, um, I decide 
what I need to put my energy into. And when it comes to the decision to put energy into myself, because that's a priority now. Um, when I make that decision, I don't feel shame or guilt to put energy into myself because I know I need it mm-hmm. to be able to do what I what I can do for my community, for my family. Ashe, Ashe. And so I want to close with asking you, what would you teach someone starting out in pre-med about this type of freedom? Because I think as community members, we have a responsibility to share what we learn, right? So like when you learn something, teach it. So mm-hmm. what would you what would you give someone who's starting out on the path that you started about 20 years ago? Oh, that's a big question. Um, first, I would say that um, a lot of that system of education is designed to um, tear you down. Um, and it does that so that you learn the appropriate way of caring for another human life. But, and that's important, but as you are torn down to learn how to value human life and make good decisions, build yourself back up according to what you're good at and what is good for you. And don't compare that to the gunners. Don't compare that to what you think it should be. I think a lot of folks who go into service kind of fields, like the medical field, um, you know, have a unique quality about them. Maybe it's their brilliance. Maybe it's their technical mind. Um, They're extremely... um, just you know they can calculate things and they can see big pictures and zoom in and see finite details um but you might also have special abilities in connecting with people um you might have special abilities in comforting children or in comforting the elderly or you might have um, an ability to teach other residents or other folks coming up, students coming up. So whatever your unique skill and talent is, um, nurture that and value that. Don't just value uh, those other things um, like the top grades and the top percent of the class and all that other stuff. Um, Because it's grueling. It's grueling. Um, You need to be confident in yourself to get through it Um, and when you come out of it if you've nurtured that thing that's yours then you can blend that into the career and let that guide your choices so rather than just going for what you think is the top thing um, to go for in that specialty or in that area of medicine if you really nurtured yourself and allowed your qualities to shine through, you'll find your niche. And when you find your niche, 
the blossoming is is real. You'll attract patients. You'll take good care of folks. You'll take good care of yourself. Um, you have to value yourself, you know, to be able to do that. That's a gift. And thank you for that. That's something that I'm going to carry with me as a reminder. Um, and I'm hoping that our audience members will carry it with them. You know, there's a price to pay for being silent. And I'm glad that you're not. I'm glad that you're sharing your truth. And I hope it illuminates other people's experiences and stretches their ideas on what personal freedom looks like for them. Thank you, Dr. Ty Adams. Again, this has been a gift. Um, It's been a privilege to talk with you. I appreciate being in community with you. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I invite you to share this link. Check us out on all social media platforms. My name's Danika, and I'm going to see you in two weeks with another opportunity to get free together. Be well, everyone. Thank you.